cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I am Alan Watson. This is the 28th of September 2009. For the newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Scroll down, you'll see all the other sites I have up there. Bookmark them for future use, and that way, if the big servers go down, you can always download the latest shows from the other sites if you have to. There's a whole bunch to choose from. You'll see that when you scroll down. There's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. Cutting through the matrix.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watt cutting through the matrix.ca. And there's Alan Watt sentinel.eu. The last one is a European site, has all the same audios as the rest, but it has the addition of having transcripts for downloads in the various languages of Europe of quite a few of these talks that I've given. You can print them up and pass them around to your friends. And remember, I always start off the show, I should really scatter it throughout the show because people skip over it where I tell the listeners that's you out there that you bring me to you it's up to you to keep me going by buying the things I have for sale on my website it's books and CDs and discs and so on and you can also donate to me as well and personal checks are fine for the US, Canada uh, outside the US and Canada you can always use MoneyGram, Western Union or just send cash Western Union is too expensive to be honest with you, I don't recommend it some people will use it. It is dependable, but um, they charge a fair whack for, for a fee for sending cash off somewhere else. And as I say, there's always PayPal. You can order the books, etc., through PayPal as well. There's a button on my site. Just email me if you want to order and use the PayPal, and that will get to me. For those who get the disc burned and passed to them and don't have computers, they play them on their CD players. You can write to me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, the number 1, P-3-E-4-N-1. And this last week or two I've been talking about reality and how most folk don't know what reality is. They all agree on a common reality, but it's the one that's been given to them. It's their Plato's cave that's been constructed for them by, you know, the big priesthood up in the clouds with the angels called the experts. They said they would do this in the time of John Dewey and many others of his ilk at the time, and they've actually implemented it. They've given us a fake reality. Uh, Most folk think that everything that comes from that television set on the news is true, they don't question it at all. In fact, they, they'd be astonished, and they are astonished, to think they could be lied to, because no one would go to such lengths to create such incredible, big, big lies. That's why it works so well. They understand themselves with little white lies, etc., but they can't imagine people pulling out these massive whoppers and big foundations and NGOs all protesting to, to, for weather and climate change and so on. They can't imagine people go to such lengths. But that's how it truly is, because you see the followers 
of the greening agenda, the followers, I say, uh, are, are even more brainwashed than the general public. They've had a more, a more um, selective, uh, directed indoctrination for this new green world religion that is to rule us all in, their place, in the place of all the old religions that ruled us all. Science is behind it, of course, and the new priesthoods of the greening are the experts, the scientists. They don't even have to name them anymore, just experts, and that's good enough. And the public accept it quite happily. Uh, it's a world where it's going to bring in all of the Soviet and Hitler eugenic plan that they didn't create. It came from Britain long before they turned up. And we'll go into some of this when I get back from this break. again and how people all believe the same thing really and that's their download from television media and that is why you have news anchors who are kept on the job way past retirement age because you, you grew up with them and they're sort of father figures sometimes mother figures and they'd never lie to you the, a great amount of um, propaganda image making image building has gone into creating these personalities is trustworthy even have ads on even the CBC government owned station has ads on telling you that uh, Mr. Mansbridge is the most trusted newscaster in Canada well no one that I know has ever met the guy we don't even know what he's like we have his TV persona that's it but that's how you create images for television everything today is for television imaging including presidents and prime ministers with their sound bits and their, their little photo ops that kind of thing uh, nothing is really real it's all rehearsed planned by again they're experts in that particular field a world run by experts and then tidy part of the problem is we're the leftover uh, of, of the remnant of a, an old age and they're bringing in the new age the planned society, an upgraded Stalinism, an upgraded type of uh, Nazi system, uh, combined together, a new, it's actually, actually a form of um, feudalistic society that Professor Quigley talks about. He says the CEOs of international corporations, which are on board with government, completely tied together, they're the new overlords of this new system. And they must get a tidy society. They must eliminate the weak, the infirm, those with hereditary diseases. All of the things we've been talking about since the days of uh, Darwin and Thomas Malthus. In fact, Thomas Malthus's name has been resurrected in major media as being a hero that was misunderstood by big foundations like the Optimum Population Trust. They, they uh, idolize him for his foresight, his early foresight and ways to stem off what he called overpopulation of basically the useless eaters, those who are, are, they don't need anymore for a, a post-industrial society. It's out in the open and the public haven't got the message yet. They'll, they'll get it eventually and they'll come to the right decisions that they've been planned to come to and they will have no idea that they've never even reasoned through it for themselves. The re, their, their opinions are given to them by experts once again from the mainstream media. 
The problem really in this world is not the elite who do this. It's not all their helpers who push it forward. It's not, it's not, um, it's not just them by themselves. It's also the bulk of the brainwashed population that's the problem. They're like a symbiosis that work together, masters and slaves. Many at the bottom, and, and I'm sure everyone out there knows them, uh, you'll meet them in the streets and so on. If you get into anything to do with politics or the future, how things are going to be, affect them, they don't want to know. See, these are the happy governed people. It doesn't matter what flag you're flying, what system you're under, they're happy uh, and they're governed. They're domesticated. So that, that massive group is necessary for the elite to get their way. That's why they choose democracy, because they know that they can always count on that great mass of people to go along with any agenda they push forward. So the problem really is for those who are awake, and they're always in a minority. And all ages, all ages. If you look at ancient times, even in the New Testament of the Christian Bible, Jesus refers to the people who think they're alive because they walk around, but really they're under, under the dictates and the mind control of the priesthood. That was their complete reality, what came from the priests. And he called them the dead. That term has always been used down through the ages to the present time. Those who have never thought out anything for themselves and are quite happy with that situation are literally the dead. And they're like clones of each other. It doesn't matter what country you go to, they're interchangeable. They'll talk about what's on television, they'll talk about trivia, American Idol, and all the rest of it, but they don't want to talk about anything that's heavy, man. Well, that's heavy. I don't want to hear about that. And, of course, all of the New Agers have been carefully trained and indoctrinated from a central capstone, regardless of the, of the names of the organizations that have joined, are all trained to look away at the negative and only look at the positive. Same thing, you see, for a different group of people. Now, there's not an animal on this planet, not even a, an insect, that doesn't have survival instincts. They're called wild. Now, trying to get near a wild animal is difficult because the wild animal senses you, senses you're, you're foreign to it, and can also sense you have evil intentions to it. And they vamoose rather quickly away from you. They're always on the watch for other predators. We look at domesticated animals of today, the farm animals. That took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of selective breeding, special breeding, and mating together to get passive animals to be easily managed and not too bright. And that's really the same as the general population. Those who accept the world as it's been handed to them, and they like Plato's cave, are the dead and they will go along with anything, including their own extinction. That's what happens to domestic creatures. Domestication. There's so much in the news now about, uh, again, all the fake stuff we're getting. The global warming, again, deemed up by the Club of Rome as a means of bringing the world together under their thumb. Not just them, but the big boys at the top, the big capstone at the top. They bring in a new world order. It had to be a warfare type scenario, so they blame man. 
man was against the planet, therefore they'd have to rule the planet better and rule man better, minutely, to save the world. That was the idea of it. And that's been implemented everywhere, all through education, through academia. And every little brown noser going into any kind of bureaucratic position, education, whatever, or politics, knows, knows the agenda. They smell the wind, and they learn their lines very quickly. Uh, and once again, they're all like clones of each other because they want to get up there, and they will not drop the boat because it means they're out. It's, it's that easy to understand. They're out. Because this new system is just like the Soviet system, where anything can be pushed. George Orwell put all of this in his book, 1984, this whole scenario. He, he goes, read the book itself, because he goes through the mindset of the bureaucrat and how they can adapt to a new meaning per day, often on the same topic, and literally disregard the previous day's holy writ and learn the new, the new day's holy writ as though the previous one never even existed. Today they call it being on board with consensus. Consensus. They talk a language. And it's no different than any other religion, you see, because they, they use the religious techniques. At one time you had to say all the right things when you were in religious groups. All the right things. They still do in some. Amen from Ammon and praise be and all that kind of stuff, terminology that's, that's acceptable, that also makes it easy for all the big boys, including Al Gore or anybody else, to walk into these groups, give them a talk, throw in the praise bees and praise gods and all that, and people will accept him as one of themselves, and they'll also accept the propaganda, their download that goes along with it. So every group is targeted, but they've used this now, as I say, for the whole of the bureaucratic, the managerial class, and that's what it is. We have a managerial class across the world that go under the guise of governance. The term governance was used by Karl Marx. Interdependence was used by Karl Marx. Free trade was used by John Dee long before for the British Empire, including most favored nation trading status hundreds of years ago. So you think you're, it's a spontaneous thing that's happening day by day, not on your nelly, as we used to say. Maybe people were more polite. And um, we're living through it. Generation after generation have been living through it. The major world wars were all part of this too. They bring us to the stage. Why? They know that because the main authors working for the Royal Institute for International Affairs said in their own books they would need world wars to bring the world to its knees. The public they're talking about, the public. So they give up national sovereignty, and allow themselves to be ruled in a new fashion, a new fashion, not a democratic fashion, by the expert community, the scientific community. Now, we've seen all the Pharisees and all the rest of it, weather modification has been under the go for years now, daily, across the world. I've got thousands of photographs I gave up after my computer was full of them. And it's the same story. People with bronchial problems after heavy spraying, the weather manipulation, rain or drought, they can do both. You can disperse clouds or create them. And we've been under this for years. We're living in Disneyland. If you listen to mainstream media, you're taught to disregard your own senses and what you see yourself. And then they, break, they give us, since 2001, one shock and awe technique after another because that was to kick off the century of change that they talked about in academia, 
change is good, right? That's something you used to say to the shopkeeper when you got something back from a dollar. Change is good. This change, no one asks what they mean by it. They just part it like sheep. One crisis after another. So we get the we get the, the terrorism attack. There's terrorists everywhere. There's terrorists under the bed, replacing the Reds under the bed. We're all suspected terrorists. But the West now flew nonsense that didn't go anywhere except a lot of fines for people who had puddles accumulating in their eaves troughs. Even when they live in swamp areas like Canada. Back with more on this after this break. everywhere across the world suddenly and it could be you in fact and, and then they found that uh, very almost albino old grannies and with uh, white hair were being searched at airports and then bend over and all this kind of stuff training the whole world to be humiliated that's part of it, of totalitarianism they have no rights and they get guys walking through airports holding up their belts another humiliating technique you see that they use in prison camps and we're all suspects. Therefore, everything that we do has to be monitored, watched, monitored, photographed. They're even putting cameras up. Massive campaign in Britain to put cameras up in a lot of people's homes now, by law. And if they pick on you, you can't stop them. And they come, and they put up the cameras in every bedroom, your bathroom, your living room, to watch you all the time. Big brother Orwell is here, alive and doing well. That's to come to America shortly because they wanted that like in the 70s, it first came out to the American Psychological Association. They said they'd like to monitor all the people for pre-arrest. They could prevent arrest by seeing if there's any hint of possible aggression coming, like a bad look or a frown or something like that. It's all coming down now under the guise of terrorism. And we've had, as I say, the bank crash. We're all plundered by the big bankers on cue because it was planned, even the time I'm sure was planned to, and then the governments across the world reward the bankers by our tax money and generations to come to pay it off. And it's all one happy family once again as they keep the same system going. And now we must now give ourselves up to the scientific community to inject full of poisons and stuff. The same scientific community that has been used for biowarfare because the big Pharma companies that deal with vaccines have the most information on viruses and bacterium. That's why they are always used for bacterial warfare purposes. And I've read some of the articles and mentioned some of the big boys and stuff that was released by the Pentagon. I've read that before on the air, that that's what they're used for. So they want to now stick stuff in you for a flu that, if it exists at all, is definitely very mild. So mild you won't know you've had it, according to most of the doctors out there. So why all the incredible overreaction doesn't make sense. It stinks. Especially if it hasn't mutated into a killer virus, which would mean the present uh, inoculations are the ones that are coming up with will be useless. So something else is going on. And it could be another training exercise to get us all used to, to, 
taking whatever they want year after year. That is what they said at the World Meeting of the World Health Organization, another private body, by the way, unelected, uh, back in 2006. This article here is from the LA Times, September the 25th. It says, germ-spreading school children are expected to be the focus of a massive U.S. vaccination campaign against the novel, I'd say it's novel all right, it's rather farcical, H1N1 flu. But if their parents are hearing the rallying cry to have their children vaccinated, they're not buying it, says a new national survey. In a poll of 1,678 U.S. parents conducted by the University of Michigan's C.S. Mott Children's Hospital, 40% said they would get their children immunized against the H1N1 virus, even as 54% indicated they would get their children vaccinated against regular seasonal flu. Among those who said they do not intend to have their children vaccinated against the H1N1, almost half, 46%, indicated they're not worried about their children becoming ill with the pandemic virus. 20 parents said they do not believe the H1N1 flu is a serious disease. See, that's roughly the percentage of the people that are awake to, to other things too. There were differences along racial and ethnic lines in parents' responses, which were collected August the 13th to August the 31st. More than half of Latino parents said they would bring their children to get vaccinated against H1N1. Among white parents, 38% would do so. African-American parents were the least inclined to vaccinate. 30% said they planned to do so. Half the parents who said they'd pass on the H1N1 flu shot for their children's, children's expressed concern about possible side effects of the vaccine. See, people are thinking, you see, thank goodness about that. They're thinking about it. Now, one of the big players in this is making money through... I mean, it's amazing, too. You see, this is the, exactly the system that uh, Quigley talks about, this new feudal system, where big pharma, big private international corporations dictate to government and, and government mandates something into law on behalf of them. What a great deal. If you're a manufacturer and, and, and you've got the government to mandate that everyone must wear your shoes or your clothes or whatever it happens to be, isn't it? A fantastic deal that would be. Win-win situation. Fascism, they used to call that, you see. Mail online, and it says here, this is September the 20th, paralyzed cancer drug girl to be put on at-risk register to shut her up. The mother who was planning legal action against a pharmaceutical giant claiming her daughter was left partially paralyzed after having anti-cancer vaccine has been told the teenager is to put on the social services at-risk register. I read this before. So here's someone complaining about it, taking an action out, and the authorities are whacking you. Cheryl Cave says allegations that she's abusing. This is how it came back. Oh, you must be abusing your, your child. As soon as she put the lawsuit in against the big pharma and the government. She's abusing her 13-year-old daughter, Ashley, in an attempt to shut her up as she's demanding an investigation into the safety of a drug used to protect girls against the HPV virus that causes cervical cancer. Now, it's always so misleading because they haven't proven that it works, number one. And it's only going to cover two or three of the hundreds of papillomaviruses that are out there. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
cutting through the matrix, going through how governments now are targeting parents who come out uh, trying to sue the pharma or government when their children get paralyzed with the supposed, and I say supposed anti-cancer vaccine that's uh, been mandated again, mandated, you know, mandates are different from laws. It's a new, new governance system. Well, it's our policy that you must take this, you see. That's what government's getting around all the, the laws, you see. They're just mandating things. This is a new governance system where experts mandate and you obey. That's it. That's what it is. So, as I say, this, this uh, particular girl collapsed shortly after being given the jab at school and spent nearly a year in hospital. Ashley Cave, in their photographs here with her mum, Cheryl, was left paralysed from the waist down after taking a cervical cancer drug. This is happening uh, quite frequently, by the way. And here is Mail Online. September the 28th, schoolgirl 14 dies and three classmates taken ill after being given new cervical cancer vaccine. It's getting monotonous, isn't it? And even though it's monotonous, mind you, being the new Soviet system they are under governance, they'll keep at it and at it and at it regardless of facts. They love to try to smash square pegs into round holes. A 14-year-old schoolgirl died hours after being given the controversial cervical cancer vaccine today. Teenager from Blue Coat Church of England School in Coventry died in hospital after receiving the cervarix jab. The tragedy marks the first reported death, no, she's not the first, since more than 1.5 million doses of the injection were given to young girls as part of a national vaccination program since last September in the UK. A number of her classmates have reported side effects to the vaccine. Critics say their case highlights the risk of mass vaccination because no testing regime can ever pick up the rarest and potentially most lethal side effects. Now, how they rationalize this at the top is how you do it under socialist governments, where they say uh, the maximum good for the greatest number. That's their policy for everything. If you happen to be in a minority of a slightly different physiology or whatever, then you're an acceptable write-off. Literally, you're an acceptable write-off. doesn't matter how many hundreds of them there are, or thousands, you're an acceptable write-off. So you look at the rest, they're okay. Mind you, the rest won't show the symptoms right away until years down the roads, like bursting out in cancers all over and different things like that. Sterility, of course, is a favorite amongst elite pharma companies, and you'll see that happening down the roads. But these are the ones who get bumped off quickly, and that's called acceptable risk under socialism. That's how it is. Not difficult to understand. And uh, here's from Time Knots, Mark Bard's Time Knots. I'll put all these links up on my site at the end of the show, cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And this is from September the 25th, 2009. It says, uh, this is a huge and historic, uh, the first attempted mass vaccination to be rejected by the masses. Even parents planning to get their children the seasonal flu vaccine will say no to the swine flu jab. German spring school children are expected to be the focus of a massive U.S. vaccination campaign against the novel H1N1 flu. This ties in with the Los Angeles report. But if their parents are hearing the round cry to have their children vaccinated, they're not buying it since the new national survey. And that's again, that's the University of Michigan's uh, C.S. Mott Children's Hospital edu- uh, survey that they did. And 40% said that they would get their children immunized against the H1N1 virus. And it's just 54 indicated they would get their children vaccinated against the regular seasonal flu. And it's pretty well verbatim from the previous one that I read. 
the word's got to get out there to people because there'll be a lot of side effects of this, and something stinks. As I say, this is a mild flu if it even exists at all outside of the media. I think that's the only place it truly exists, to be honest with you. And that happened with the last swine flu, but outside the media it didn't exist. And once the media stopped talking about it, guess what? It, it was gone. And I think this, this stinks when they go to such amazing lengths to get something into our bloodstreams. Incredible lens to get something into our bloodstreams for something that's very mild or doesn't exist at all. Something really stinks, especially when every other person who's been trained in medicine agrees that this vaccine is of no use for the mild flu because if it mutates into the killer they're talking about, you need a vaccine specifically designed for the killer one that hasn't broken out. It's it's quite something. Now, farmers too. Remember, food in warfare, you go after food and water first of all. That's what they did in ancient times to the present. In total war scenarios as we have today, and the U.S. has shown what they did in Iraq, they go after what they call infrastructure. That's your wells. That's um, food plants. That's farming areas. Even poison them, if need be. That's what you do. And even over in Afghanistan, when the Soviets were doing the job of trying to annihilate them over there, they put cyanide in their water supplies. They even made movies about it. And um, <clears throat> I don't think it stopped today with our boys, because our boys are good boys. See, warfare is warfare, and their object is to win by any means possible. And in total warfare, all the population are fair game. But under warfare, it's food and water primarily. And we have watched, let's say, mainly since World War II, the farmers having restrictions put on them one after another until thousands and thousands of farmers in Canada, the U.S., and Britain, and across Europe were put under, put under with red tape from government agencies. That was intentional and as part of long-term strategy. Long-term strategy. Because under this new socialist world UN system we're going into, they have to be in charge of all foodstuffs, but they'll still be in the hands of the five big agri-food businesses that almost control all of it today. And there'll be no choices in what you eat, it's whatever you're given. In fact, the UN has said the Department of Agriculture will be responsible when they get lifted up to their proper status as a part of the world government. They will dish out to every region, they call it regions, these conglomerates like the American region, the European region, and so on, they'll dish out the food to every region and it will be rationed. And part of the reason for it will be to, for you to force your own populations down inside those, those regions. And you know darn well, it'll start off at a certain limit, limit, then they'll say, well, we don't have enough food this year, so there's a bigger ration. You'll have to find ways of dealing with your population problem. I guarantee you, you're, you're going to live through seeing this. And then you have the Council on Foreign Relations own website where they've had whole teams working for about 15, 20 years on the coming food shortages. They just knew it was going to happen. Why? Because all the big members are part of these big businesses and agribusinesses that run the world's food supply. And they'll make it happen. That's why. And now they're whacking the, 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 the farmers, not only with oh, E. coli in your cattle and all the rest of it, but being res they're responsible for letting carbon into the atmosphere. Now, here's an article... It's actually a pro, getting an idea, 
carbon credit article and it's from the Des Moines Register it's um, it says here by uh, I don't see who it is Tim Kaldenberg who farms in Monroe County already participates in a carbon credit program started by the Iowa Farm Bureau Kaldenberg earns credits for 410 acres of land some of which he farms without tillage and the rest he seeded to grass those two practices store carbon in the soil since it's the theory you see Utilities and other companies that want to offset their carbon emissions can buy credits from farmers such as Kaldenberg. But without regulations on carbon yet, the credits have little value. Kaldenberg's last payment was $50. There's also questions about whether existing contracts such as Kaldenberg's would qualify under a pending climate bill. Whether he and other farmers get involved in offset projects in the future will depend on how much it costs to comply with the program Congress enacts, he said. Such a program will include some regulations to verify that farmers are doing what their contracts require. Now, as they're telling them, you see, if they just sit there and grow grass and don't farm it and grow food, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. Do you know how many farmers there are across the whole world right now who are getting paid by their governments, including Canada, not to grow stuff? It's been that for years. You think they can't create a food shortage? Of course they can create it. They're in the process of doing it. And they want meat eliminated completely under this new world religion to bring in. After all, people who are healthy and think a lot are a danger to society. So meat will be banned and phased out. It already is getting put up, up to incredible prices. And every one of the green giants, the jolly green giants like Al Gore and all the rest of them, have said that. Oh, it's so, it's so energy intensive to, to raise cattle. But they'll have to be phased out. Then you're left with Monsanto's heavily uh, pesticide-laced GMO products, and we're supposed to live in this happy, cancerous utopia. Amazing what we are swallow, isn't it? So this was uh, some kind of... And they all say this with straight faces, carbon credits. A, a complete abstract nonsense, carbon credits. Complete, bogus, abstract nonsense that is to be the whole economy. That's what they're telling us in all the other articles on the newspapers. This is to be the global economy. And what does it do? Right down to the personal level, you are going to be a slave as you pay and pay and pay for every mouthful of food you eat. Everything you wear, everything you buy, it's going to be, you're going to be whacked with carbon taxes because that's the carbon. They will tell you, these experts with their slide rules and guesses and fingers in the air, they're going to tell you how much carbon it took energy to make that product and you're bad for having it all no I'm not kidding you that's what it's all about slavery exists in many forms and one of the big masters of that was the descendant of Charles Darwin his name was Charles Galton Darwin and he said it in his own book the next million years when he talked about eliminating all the masses gradually gradually and giving them diseases gradually gradually read the book the next million years all the unfit ones, the ones that are post-industrial, the ones who are meant to work on benches and conveyor belts, have to get rid of them. But he put it all out there. He says, we are in the process of creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. That's after he said there's always been slavery in one form or another, and it's, it's quite right, it's quite true. Money and taxation create a form of slavery. You either own something or you don't, which is it? It can't be one or the other. 
It's got to be one or the other. I own this. I don't own this. Well, I sort of own this. And then you knock on the door for, for property taxes or whatever. Then you're out. Then they seize your property, steal your property. You call it seizing. You've got lots of names for theft. Impounding is another thing for your vehicle. They, they love using term, different terminology for stealing what, what, you have, what you supposedly own. So now you're going into all of these um, climate credits. And believe you me, you only see SWAT teams come in your home one day if you didn't pay all your carbon credits. And they'll say, here's a telephone here that's worth the X amount of credits and blah, blah, blah. And they'll wipe out your house. Clean you out right down to a pencil. Gone. As they count up these abstract carbon credits that you didn't pay. Slavery can exist in many forms. And this carbon thing and global warming is a beauty. It's a beauty because the whole planet now, he sees his world governance and slavery. The whole planet is to go under this. The entire world and everybody on it. It's funny how the animals can go out there and fart away and poop in the fields and all the rest of it. And that's okay. They pay nothing. It's funny too, they've got all the rights and we have none under the Maurice Strong's various treaties for the United Nations. It's just as you see the nasty people who get taxed on it all for every breath that you take. What a beautiful con scheme, isn't it? What a be- who'd, have, who'd have thought of this? What kind of mind did this come out of? It came out of the minds of a people who ruled the world for a long, long time under other cons. That's where it came from. And the reason they know it will work is because we swallowed every previous con Every generation did. That's why they know it will work. <laughs> and you can make the people believe anything with enough propaganda and a serious face, with law enforcement to back it up. You truly can. Here's an article from the New York Times. The Economic Union, Alone and Lonely on Carbon, it says, by James Cantor, 27th of September. Carbon trading put the European Union in the environmental vanguard. Since 2005, the trade bloc has operated the world's only continental-wide system that puts a cap on greenhouse gases, greenhouse gases, other big abstract thing, emissions, and that require major polluters to hold tradable allowances. Well, what they give, actually did at the EU, they gave the big corporations, the international corporations, millions of dollars worth or euro worth of free carbon taxes to start the trading off. And they've been making profits on it since. It's only the public that are paying all the differences off. Of course, it's the public that pays any real energy towards anything via money. It says, but the system has also been the most costly climate, uh, climate, uh, climate, I should, I should, should be climate, 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 climate policy program in the world, according to Jürgen R. Thurman, the president of Business Europe, a powerful confederation of industry and employer groups. Mr. Truman's said European business leaders are desperate to expand the system. Did you know that? I've never heard one of them say they're desperate to expand the system to the United States and eventually across the globe to reduce the dangers to our ability to compete internationally. So if all to compete with invisible nothing, invisible nothing, this new economy. What a beautiful con. But with talks in a, a new global climate treaty seemingly at a stalemate, and with the climate legislation delayed in major polluting countries like the United States and Australia, those prospects look increasingly, increasingly distant. 
Meanwhile, the EU shows no sign of abandoning the system, leaving business leaders like Mr. Truman with little choice but to speak out at home and to press developed nations abroad to match Europe's efforts when they gather at the UN summit meeting on climate change, new changes in the weather, on December in Copenhagen. Carbon, can you imagine a world trading nothing? There's nothing here. Nothing. This carbon trading. What do you do? Pump it all in a tank somewhere so you can see all these big tanks full of carbon? Or what? 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 No, there's nothing. It's nonsense. Carbon trading was supposed to be the least costly way for Europe to cut emissions. The idea is that industries buy allowances to emit greenhouse gases if they exceed a certain quota or sell them if they have too many. And as I said before, <clears throat> this is to come right down to the personal level because everything really always, always gets passed right down to you at the bottom. The consumer. Everything. Slavery is what it is. I used to look at this. See, if you study the Soviet-type models, they would get everybody, all the youngsters, and they had to do so much time in the fields and the farming to get, you know, get used to the soil and in touch with nature and how food is produced except for the Politburo children who got to have, go there and have parties. That's all they went and did for the elites. But the rest of them had to learn how it was done. This is what we're getting trained in now is, do you realize how much carbon you're putting out and greenhouse gases? Every breath that you get out there, you're going to pay for it and pay for it and pay for it. Back with more after this break. through the matrix. They say the same policies to exterminate the farmers were put across the world years and years ago. Here's an article here. It's called Small Farm Extermination. It was sent into a radio show by Thomas Lindsay Esquire from Pennsylvania. It says multinational agribusiness corporations set out almost 40 years ago to exterminate family farmers and take control of food production in the United States. That chilling proposition, which has been asserted by farming communities across the country over the past decade, gained support last week with the release of a document authored by several agribusiness corporations. The 1962 strategy memorandum entitled An Adaptive Program for Agriculture was drafted by a group of multinational corporations called the Committee for Economic Development. And by the way, that's a a UN department. Every country has it. Committee for Economic Development. And at least down a detailed plan for the decidedly un-American corporate takeover of American institution, the family farm. Chapter 6 of the memorandum calls for a two-pronged strategy, either a leak-proof control of farm production by agribusiness corporations, or B, a program such as we're recommending here to induce excess resources, primarily people, to move rapidly out of agriculture. Do Do you hear this? This is from the U.S. government, 1962. Two methods of doing it. The second one was to induce excess resources, primarily people, to move rapidly out of agriculture. One of those excess resources, an Illinois hog farmer named Keith Bolin, was one of the farmers who read the paper. In an interview done shortly after Farm Aid, 
Boland spoke of the absolute control being exercised over hog prices by the agribusiness corporations. corporations. He explained that many factory farms are packer-owned and packer-controlled. That's the ones who do all the meat cutting. And when the packers are short of hogs and they don't want to bid up for the hogs, they flood the market with their own and drive the price down. They force me to chase the market down, he says. They use their own hogs to drive their price lower. Last year, Bowen lost 13 months of net worth. Last month, he cancelled his health insurance to cut his operating costs. Next year, he sees himself taking a job off the farm. In blunt testimony before the Senate Agriculture Committee, he states that this is not about efficiency or inefficiency. It's about control of our food supply by a few multinationals who are not loyal to Main Street or rural America or the American flag. What do the Bolans of the Midwest have in common with the Franklin County farmers? Plenty. They get bigger or get outs or go corporate or go bankrupt. Sentiment has pervaded all facets of farming. Whether you live in Illinois or Pennsylvania, whereas 50 head of dairy cows used to put food on the table for the family, 100 head is now necessary to make a living. Hog growing contracts leave the family farmer holding the bag for water pollution. Poultry farmers find themselves squeezed into building capital-intensive animal factories. Under this new global free-for-all with rules written by a small handful of powerful agribusiness corporations, hog, poultry, and beef farmers are forced to compete with corporate factory farms in the Midwest and overseas competition using cheap labor and lacking any health or safety protections. Combined with homegrown corporate frankenfood endeavors to splice artichoke genes into chickens, to plant seed supplies to force farmers to buy new seeds corn every year, that's Monsanto, and to control the basic genetic building blocks of life. Eating itself has become a hazardous affair. And that's right back in 1962. You're living through a well-planned script that covers every facet of life. Well, that's it from Canada, from Hamish and myself. It's pouring mightily after a day's spraying. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.